1: Are you ready for your happy pill? Hi and welcome, I'm Caroline Stephen. Psychologists have discovered recurring patterns of thought that achievers think on a daily basis. Are some people just born successful or is success something that can be grown and cultivated? Dr. Tim Sharp, ACA Dr. Happy from the Happiness Institute, hears firsthand on a daily basis what thoughts and patterns successful people think and have. And we talk about some of them in today's interview. We also hear from Chris Tate on a little trading. And Louise Bedford in Mind Power shares some of her favourite inspirational quotes.
0: I'm often on the lookout for inspirational quotes. I find that if I have a quote that really captures my imagination... It can somehow cut through the clutter that I form in my own mind. You might be the same. I have a few quotes for you today to consider and to cherish as you move through the day. The first one is from Marianne Williamson. Your playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people will not feel insecure around you. We are meant to shine as children do. It is not just in some of us, it is in everyone. And as we let our light shine, we unconsciously give others permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our fear, our presence automatically liberates others. So, play big. Don't let other people's opinions stop you because you will never know when you will be an inspiration for those around you. And I have another one here from Randy Pausch. It is not about the cards you are dealt, but how you play the hand. So often we let our past stop us. We Stay small when really we need to expand and grow big. Don't let the past stop you in your tracks. And the final one for today is by Jack Cornfield. The trouble is you think you have time. So often we pass our time, we spend our time, but we don't invest our time. If you're watching more than an hour of TV a day, imagine what that hour could be converted into. So many people stop themselves before they achieve greatness because of their little micro habits. Their micro habits of time wasting. Their micro habits of complacency. Honour and cherish your trader's life. Realise that the time you have now is the only time you have available to you. We might not get it tomorrow. Learn about the markets. Trade the way that you've never traded before. Look into your children's eyes and tell them how much you care for them. Because we don't know how long we have on this planet. And we can't afford to waste a moment.
1: Chris Tate in A Little Trading. If you had a small account saying, Thousand bucks. What would you do to kick it off?
2: Good question. Probably exactly the same thing as I would do to kick off an account of five million. I would build a trading system, I'd work on my psychology, I'd learn to control my emotional responses, and I would start the system small and just let it grind out. But more importantly, I would let myself get used to what dealing in markets is like because there is there is this juxtaposition. People have an image of what they will do in markets. You know, I'll, I'll be calm, I'll be controlled, I'll, I'll be yelling instructions at my broker, it'll be fabulous. It'll be, it'll be just like the final scenes of trading places and then I'll walk away with hundreds of millions of dollars. It'll be easy. What happens is the market shows them who they really are. Ill-disciplined, lazy, frightened, scared, unwilling to do the things necessary to be successful which is why you need to start small and and you need to acclimatize yourself to your responses to the market. The the market does nothing. It goes up down sideways and it's always done that. It's how you respond to those events that is sort of the the harbinger of whether you'll be successful or not. Hey, it's Chris Helder here, author of Cut the Noise. I just wanna say talking trading, is awesome.
1: Once Dr. Martin Seligman heralded positive psychology back in 1998, a new movement of viewing people's strengths and aptitudes and what made people happy was created in psychology. Dr. Tim Sharp, Acker Dr. Happy, is at the forefront of the positive psychology movement and he's founder and chief happiness officer of the Happiness Institute. Last week we heard from Dr. Tim at some of the keys to making yourself happy. And today, we look at some of the daily habits and thought patterns of successful people. We welcome Dr. Tim back to the show. Okay, so psychologists have found that time and time again, successful people tell themselves certain things on a daily basis. So I'm going to go through some of the things that they say to themselves. Number one, get started even though you might fail. Now, we may be repeating on this. Author Jody Piccolo, whom I love, summarized the importance of avoiding perfectionism. You can edit a bad page, but you can't edit a blank page.
3: Yeah, I love that quote. I haven't heard that one, but you can't edit a blank page, and it's so true. You know, you, um, too often we let perfectionism get in the way of. You know, if I can't do this perfectly. I won't do anything at all. But what have you got then? You've got you've got a blank page. You've got nothing. So um, yeah, I think that's uh, that's a great approach. Is is you know, do the best you can, and if you can get it perfect, fantastic. But but very few things in life are perfect. So you know, an imperfect something is better than a perfect nothing. Um, and I very much encourage people to yeah, to get out there, get started. And whatever mistakes you make, you use them as, as lessons. And, and so the next time you'll you know, do something better.
1: So on that, successful people often say, I will figure it out to themselves. They don't plan for failure, but they plan for obstacles.
3: Very much so, and and that actually goes back to, you referred at the very beginning to stoicism. Stoicism is, I think, uh, sometimes misunderstood as kind of a uh, almost a negative or pessimistic approach, but it's not really. It's about saying, you know, I know there will be obstacles, and that's I don't see that as negative. It's just it's a reality. (laughs) It's a reality of life that things will go wrong, things will get in the way, I'll stuff up, people will stuff up, Um, but that's okay because I'll deal with it when I'm there, and 99 times out of 100, we can deal with it. We can't get around it. Um, so that's very much a, an approach that I would advocate. Is um, uh, if if we can, well, if we can predict those those challenges and prepare for them and work out solutions, then fantastic. But if we can't, we'll deal with it when we get there. And, and again, more often than not, we can we can deal with it.
1: Steve Jobs said, "Everything in the world was built by people who are no smarter than you." It's become a modern day mantra. What are your thoughts on that?
3: Um, I, I do. I agree and disagree with that. I do like that quote because I do think sometimes, um, you know, quote-unquote intelligence is, I think, is, is way overrated. But but what I would say is I suppose it comes down to how you define intelligence or how you define smartness. And what, what I think, what I believe and what many people are now arguing is that there are different types of intelligence, different types of smartness. Historically, we've only ever really focused on one, on IQ, um, and that's the sort of stuff you learn at school and the sort of thing that can benefit you at school. But when you get out of school and into life, there are many other forms of intelligence that are just as, if not more, important. Including emotional intelligence, and even things like creativity. And you know, I mean, you know, creativity isn't necessarily rewarded that much in our traditional educational environment. But we know that in many positions or many jobs, uh, it's a fantastically valuable. And, and emotional intelligence, similarly, we know that you know, in a traditional academic environment, like a high school or even a university. Uh, you don't get many points for emotional intelligence or social intelligence and being good with other people, whereas in the workforce or in many other places in life, that's highly valuable. So so I I kind of agree with Steve Jobs, but I would say, again, it depends how you define smart. And what I encourage people to do is there's nothing wrong with being intelligent, having a traditional IQ, high IQ, uh, but there are so many other ways that we can contribute to life and there are so many other ways to be successful Um, there are so many different types of smartness find your own and use that as best you can
1: successful people tend to work hard to know what they don't know there's a misconception that all successful people are egotistical or have it all figured out but really they're very often open and ready and willing to learn
3: oh very much so i've been um uh, i've been lucky i mean i love what i do and i've been lucky enough to work you know to coach and, and work with some very very successful people, and I say lucky because I find I find that incredibly stimulating, and it's, it's a privilege really to be able to sort of enter into their lives. Um, but that's that's definitely one of the things that I've learned is that that the more successful people I've worked with, the more I've seen that they're uh, they're not necessarily know it alls. They don't necessarily sit in those positions thinking they're the greatest people on earth. In fact, if any, the, the wisest people I've met, and I suppose that's partly why they come into me, I guess. But the wisest people I've met realize that they don't know much at all (laughs) but that sense of that sense of modesty and humility and also of curiosity and and a willingness and a desire to learn is incredibly valuable and i think um uh you know that the person that thinks he or she knows everything uh, is in big trouble
1: (laughs) do any qualities stand out from your sessions of the the highly successful people you've interviewed
3: well not necessarily because to go back to the point i made earlier um Successful people can be successful in very different ways. And I guess so, this, this comes back to one of the key pillars of positive psychology, which is the strengths based movement. Uh, again, historically in psychology and in other areas, like in business as well, the focus has often been on weaknesses and how to fix it. But in one of the things about positive psychology is there's a greater focus on strengths. These are your innate abilities, things you're naturally good mm-hmm. at, and how you can use them as much as possible. And when it comes to the most successful people, those people are more aware of and find more and better ways of utilising their strengths but those strengths are all different um, so again we're talking about things like a love of learning, curiosity, social intelligence leadership, humility uh, humour, there's all sorts of strengths and, and none are better or worse than the others but the secret is um, you finding your strengths and you finding ways to utilise them in a way that will lead to some sort of positive outcome.
1: Successful people don't focus on their competition they focus on themselves true, untrue uh,
3: yeah, look, I think mostly true. Um, you know, I think the reality is, in some aspects of life, we are competing. But but no, I think it's, um, I think I think there's very much a lot of truth to that, and it comes back again to the idea of focusing on uh, those things over which we have control. You know, I I can control most of what I do and what I think and where I devote my attention, where I put my efforts. I can't necessarily control that other person, whoever he she, he or she might be, um, if you know, if that person is my competition, so to speak. Um, I can't change what they do. I can't stop or start them doing things. So, you know, it's not not, um, necessarily inappropriate to be aware of those other people who might work or live in your domain. But at the end of the day, again, if we worry too much about them, that's taking time and energy and attention away from things that we probably should be thinking more about that we can actually have direct influence over. It's
1: very stoic of you, Dr. Tim. Last one, the power of core values in doing what you do. Never forget why you started.
3: Oh, without a doubt, and I think that's that's one of the most important things, and it's often forgotten in, in, at an individual level and at a team or organizational level. In fact, I was just having a I had a conversation yesterday with the new CEO of a of a, a not for profit organisation that I'm very involved in, and he's come in and very passionate about that, about really building on the the organisation already has really great strong values. Um, but that's his, and he's come from a background in uh, well, some really big corporates and some. A number of uh, uh, high-profile consulting firms, and um, and that's something that he's just learnt um, is so so important because if you don't know the why, then the what and the how almost becomes irrelevant. The, the why, uh, and that's you know those values that drive what we do. That that provides the motivation and the energy. That's what gets us through the difficult times. That's what uh, propels us towards the positive times. Um, and yeah, look, sadly, there are a lot of people in life who who don't know their why, um, and that's. You know, it's no wonder that many people are lost. Um, and I think we've, um, you know, I think we we need to get back, or we need to help people re-find uh, meaning and purpose in their lives, because for a lot of people that that has disappeared, and that's um, that's a, a it can potentially be a big problem.
1: And how do you help people find their meaning and purpose? How do you start?
3: Uh, yeah, look, again, it's a trick. There's no simple answers, and and it's not necessarily something that that you know that, that will happen overnight. Um, but there are a couple of ways we can, um, you know, we can go back to things that we were passionate about when we were younger, maybe. So like when, many of us, when we were younger, had, had great passions and strong beliefs and core values. And then for different reasons, you know, kind of got beaten out of us or, we, or got suppressed in some way. So we can go back and, you know, ask, like, what did I get excited about when I was younger? What was I passionate about? Was it, was it the arts or was it the environment or was it something about politics or whatever? Um, and again, there's no right or wrong, but that, that's one way. The, the, another way we can do it is to um, is to look to our heroes, in a sense. So who do we admire? Uh, because often, when we if we think of, of those people, not, not always, but more often than not, we admire them because they represent our values. They represent the things that we would be like thinking. Maybe great business leaders, or maybe sure. sporting heroes. I was even. being for right? Yeah. Well, actually, I'll give you an example because I was talking to someone yesterday about. Um, we uh, we've we just finished the Commonwealth Games, and I was um and uh, I, was, I was admiring uh, Kurt Fernley, who you might know or many of you might know, but he's he's one of Australia's or even of Australia's greatest wheelchair athletes, mm. and he just won um again after multiple times the the marathon, the wheelchair uh, men's marathon. Um, I think he, he's been multiple world champion and won Olympic gold medals in the Paralympics, um, but I. Um, I mean, I've I've admired him over many years. One, for his athletic ability. I mean, he's a um, a phenomenal athlete, given his um, quote-unquote disability. But also the way he speaks off the, you know, his his actions off the racetrack. Because he really is an inspiration. He speaks so well and he stands up so well for for people with disabilities. And I guess I just, I like the fact that he hasn't allowed his disability to stop him. He's, Mm. you know, in the face of adversity that would have many of us would have just curled up in a corner and, and, and done nothing, I suppose. He's fought so hard to achieve so much, and I think that can be so inspirational for so many, not just other people with disabilities, but for those of us that are you know, able-bodied. Um, so that, that perseverance, that bravery and courage, they're the sorts of things that I admire, they're the sorts of values that I, I have, I suppose. And I guess if we can all find someone like that, it, you know, it would differ for different people. That might help us reconnect with our values.
1: Dr. Tim, is there any final pieces of advice you'd like to leave our listeners in their search and quest for happiness and meaning in their lives?
3: Uh, Yeah, well, I'll I'll say a few things. One, I'd say um, uh, you can live a great life. Don't don't give up on it. Don't settle for anything less. We can all live a fantastic life if, as we've said over the course of this, if we clarify what that means, set up a a plan and a strategy to achieve it, uh, and then work hard. work hard on doing it. Um, but I suppose just one caveat to finish on, and not necessarily on a negative note, but it's also important to note that you know, no one's going to be happy all the time. Um, and that is important to state because we, I think some people get disappointed or feel frustrated when they have a bad day. or well, But, you know, that's normal. It's normal to feel frustrated or angry or sad at times. That doesn't necessarily mean you can't live a great life. So accepting that nothing is perfect, including ourselves, accepting that we will experience some negative emotions and face negative experiences, we can still have a great life if we do the right sorts of things.
1: And just one final point, where does Australia rank on the happiness scales with the international countries? Denmark's pretty high up there, as are Latin American countries. How's Australia?
3: Yeah, look, we, we do pretty well. Um, though There are a number of different measures, and so Australia comes in a slightly different place in some of those different measures. But we typically fall in the top quartile, so in the top sort of 20 25%, which is pretty good. Um, we could probably do better, but it is important to state that those measures, they're measuring something a little bit different to happiness as we've spoken about it here, so they're measuring um, life satisfaction and the and measures of the questions that are asked uh, include things like sort of social equality, access to transport, right. public education, public health. So it's a very important measure, but it's a bit different to what we've mainly been talking about.
1: We're um, measuring the passion acid. and enthusiasm and vigour for life.
3: Uh, yeah, well, So they are correlated, but they're slightly different yet.
1: (laughs) Dr. Happy, final, final, final piece of advice for listeners on being happy and fulfilled.
3: Uh, Make happiness a priority and work out whatever you need to do it and then do it.
1: (laughs) Where can people go to find out more about you, Dr. Happy, and the Happiness Institute? Uh,
3: Probably the simple space is uh, dub, dub, dub. Doctor Happy, so d-r-h-a-p-b-y dot com dot au there are links there and uh, i'd love to see you
1: dr happy are you happy
3: oh, i am this morning yeah <laughs> I think. um but as i said well as a, not, not all the time not every minute of every day but you know, at the moment life's pretty good um i'm lucky enough to be doing some great work and have a healthy and happy and loving family so uh, the simple answer is yes
1: well i was very happy talking to you dr tim thank you for coming on to talking trading
3: Thanks for having
1: me. And next week, we hear from Chris Tate and options expert, Evan McGuire. I'm Caroline Stephen. We'll see you next show. You've been listening to talkingtrading.com.au with Caroline Stephen. Make sure you are subscribed to this website to receive the very latest market views, commentary and expert opinion. Tune in next week as we've got a bumper show planned. Bye for now. The views represented on talking trading are general in nature and do not take into account your objectives, financial situation or needs. Before acting on any of the information, consider its appropriateness in regard to your own situation.